All right, as I look around, uh, thank you mothers um, for, for all that you do. Um, mothers do make the world uh, a better place. I see my wife uh, work uh, long hours. She works uh, at Wilton Christian, and she works uh, long hours. And then she comes home, and, and she takes care of her, of her family and her husband, and, and uh, she, she does it with the uh, right attitude. And then every morning, uh, she wakes up really early, uh, much earlier than the rest of us, and uh, she spends some time uh, with the Lord before she ever even starts her day, because she knows as soon as our girls get up, um, then life begins as a mother, and she won't have time. And so I know you as mothers, uh, you spend a lot of time uh, doing what you do and caring for your family, and so uh, thank you for all that you do. And you don't necessarily have to have uh, kids at home. Um, sometimes it's grandmothers uh, that are taking care of uh, kids these days, and so if you're a grandmother and you're spending a lot of time taking care of grandchildren, uh, thank you for um, all that you do as well. There's a story of a, of a boy who had gotten in trouble. Now, this is not a personal story, although me and my brothers, I did get into plenty of trouble growing up, uh, but anyways, this is a story of a, of a, of a boy who got into trouble, and, and his mom said this, his mom said, every time you're bad, it gives me another gray hair, and which the son replied, oh, mom, you must have been a tear when you were growing up. I mean, just look at grandma. So I'm sure that's not what that mom was expecting uh, to hear as she was uh, uh, talking with her son uh, but mothers, you do uh, uh, deal with a lot, and so it's good to kind of set aside a, a day. And, and last week, we looked at the idea of praising the Lord, and, and uh, I said something along the lines of not to diminish um, uh, mothers, uh, but uh, really, as we think about the Lord, uh, we do want to raise Him up uh, today. And so even though we're going to be looking at uh, Psalm uh, 127, we're going to be talking about building families, uh, really, when it comes to building families, we cannot do that alone. Uh, we must do it with the Lord's help if we are to be godly parents. Of course, the world can turn out moral children, children that know the difference between right, right and wrong and who obey the law. Um, but for us as Christian parents, it's more than just developing moral children or children that will grow up to be good citizens. Uh, one day. It's, it's uh, much different than that. And so we do want to take some time uh, to talk uh, to mothers. And, and really, this is not just to mothers. This is to mothers and, and fathers and those who are part of families. This is to children and those that are, will one day have families. And so uh, this is really for all of us this morning. And so uh, be sure to uh, take some notes, especially if you're a young person, uh, that you might put these things into practice one day uh, when you have um, a spouse and a family of your own. So we're going to go ahead and start here. This is Psalm 127, and we're going to ask you to stand out of respect for God's Word, and we're just going to read these uh, five verses of this psalm, and then we'll ask the Lord's blessing upon our time. And this is what it says here. This is, again, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and you go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep, his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, 
the fruit of the womb a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Let's go ahead and stop there, and we'll ask the Lord's blessing upon our time. Lord, we do thank you uh, for mothers. Uh, thank you for the, the, the part that mothers uh, play in their family, really how they teach their kids uh, to be kind and, and loving, to uh, have that, that, that uh, joy that, that mothers often bring uh, to the home. And so, Lord, uh, we celebrate mothers today, but even more than that, Lord, we celebrate you because we realize that behind every good mother and father, there is a great Lord. And so thank you, Lord, that as parents, that we don't do this on our own, whether we have parents who are, are still in the home, whether we, have parent, um, whether we have kids, whether we have kids who are still at home, whether we have kids who are grown up and out of the home and maybe our parents themselves, we realize that truly you are the one that is working behind the scenes, even though we may not uh, see your hands all the time working uh, on our children, we know that you are at work just as you are at work in our lives. And so thank you, Lord, that we can trust you. Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This psalm we have today is, is an important psalm. Um, it is a psalm that has been used at, at different occasions. And uh, it's interesting here that uh, the writer, if you notice, uh, at the beginning here, a song of Solomon. And so this is uh, one of two psalms that Solomon wrote. And so there is some wisdom, as you, as you know, when Solomon writes, he wrote uh, books of wisdom. And so there is some wisdom within this psalm. And the very first thing that we want to note uh, this morning is the fact that he uses the word vain three times in the opening of his psalm. And so really the opening of his psalm is verse 1 and 2. And so notice as you look down, uh, it says, labor in vain, and then he goes on a little bit further and says, stays awake in vain, and then in verse 2 we find, it is in vain that you rise up early. And so three times in the, in the introduction of his psalm do we see this idea of vanity or vain, and, and Christian, it is in vain unless God is in it. Truly, we cannot depend on ourselves, we must depend on Him, and we must depend on His blessing. When I, when I opened up, I said this psalm, Psalm 127, has, has been, it's a well-known psalm, and has been used in several different occasions, including the inauguration of President Eisenhower, and how true it was then, how true it is now, that our leaders need to learn to depend on God and to rely on His blessings. But if it's true of our political leaders, our leaders in our country, how much it is true for us as parents, that we must depend on God, we must depend on His blessings. As, as, a, as a young Bible student, we actually took this psalm and, and we dedicated a part of this psalm to um, memory, and why? Because this psalm is, is connected to church planting. Or maybe uh, if a pastor was to go into replant a ministry. Because to go into a ministry, you must realize that ultimately it's God who grows the church. If a man goes into a church and they bring in a bunch of things, 
simply to grow the church outside of God's will, then that is not, that is, that is in vanity. But truly to grow a church God's way, God has to be behind it. He has to be the one that is working in hearts. And so in a very similar way, pastors and parents both have to rely on the Lord. For, for a pastor, they, they need to rely on the Lord and, and, and show love and dedication and, of course, rely on God's grace. But the same thing is true of parents. They must show love and dedication and rely on God's grace. And maybe that's one of the reasons why Paul connects uh, this idea of, of pastoring with, with parenting and one of the qualifications, and I don't have a slide for it this morning, this is 1 Timothy 3, 4, and 5, and it says this, and he's given the qualification for a pastor, and he says this, he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if anyone does not know how to manage his own house, how can he care for, for God's church? And so one of the qualifications for a pastor is that they know how to manage their own house, how to lead their own house, and if they can't lead their own house, how are they to lead God's people? And so, of course, we're looking from the pastor down in this way, but we could definitely flip that and say that for parents, many of us are leading our homes just like a pastor would in love and in dedication and relaying on God's will, realizing that we can teach our kids just like I can preach from God's Word, and I can communicate truth, but it really has to be ultimately God working in you and through you to change you. And the same thing must true, be true for our, parent, for our kids. And so we may educate our kids, and we may teach them right and wrong from God's Word but ultimately, it is God who works in the hearts of our children, just as He works in our hearts. And so, if we are going to raise, be godly parents who are raising uh, kids God's way, we must understand that raising a family for the Lord means trusting the Lord. And so, the very first point today is trust the Lord. And, and that's exactly what uh, the, the wisdom that we are given this morning because there's a lot of things that we can put our trust in these days. Some parents, they look to maybe the school that they send their children to, and they trust that school, and they think to themselves, well, the school will change my child. The school will make my child a better person. And they put their trust in, in, in a school. Or, or maybe what they do is they, they put their trust in maybe books, and so maybe it's the latest parenting book, and with all the good ideas of how to parent your children, and if you want your, your child to be just a phenomenal person, then these, these are the steps you've got to follow. And if you follow these steps, you're just, you'll be turning out some great children. And there's some people that just soak those things up, and they put their trust in books. And there's other people that maybe they, they put their trust in, in maybe therapists or psychologists, and, and they look to those recommendations and they say, well, you know what, I was talking to my psychologist, and my psychologist says, this is where I'm messing up, and, and this seems to be right. And so maybe they go with this idea of a therapist or a psychologist, and, and no doubt, a school can be a benefit to our kids. 
No doubt a book can be a benefit to us. No doubt there is some wisdom somewhere in there from therapists and psychologists. But you know what? If we are fully invested in that, if that's where we place our trust, the Bible says it is in vanity, it is vain, it is worthless. Because truly we must rely on the Lord. And so we must be confident that the Lord is at work. We must be confident that the Lord is at work. And so notice here in verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And the first thing I need to point out is this word house here. All right, this word house. And so it's, it's evident who is the builder here unless the Lord builds, all right? Unless the Lord builds the house. But interesting here, this, this Hebrew word for house uh, is kind of a play on words. It, it means a, a structure or a temple or a, or a building but you know, there's a second meaning to, meaning to this word. What does it mean? It means family or dynasty. And so when we're thinking about a, a house, definitely we see this picture of building a, a structure. But the idea behind this word of house is a family. And so unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. And so in, in this verse... We can try to build our homes through personal effort. And no personal effort can get us a little ways, but it can only get us so far. We must put our confidence in the fact that the Lord is at work behind the scenes. He is working in us and through us and in our children as well in ways that we could never do on our, by ourselves. And then notice that second part. So unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city. All right, watches over the city. The watchman, the watchman lay, uh, stays awake in vain. And of course we know this to be true. All right, of course we know this to be true. We can do everything we can to try to protect our families. But you know, ultimately... If, we're, if, if God is not in it, our families can still be hurt. Why? Because each one of us, including our children, carry around that sin part of us. That part of us that says, I want to be king and queen of my own life. And if we have those trials as, as, as mothers and fathers, we can definitely see it in our kids, right? Our kids often want to be rulers of our family. They want to be the kings and queens of our family. And truly the one who is to be king and queen of our family, or king of our family, is God. He is to be Lord of our family. As I think about uh, this second part here, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. I can't help but think back to when we studied Nehemiah. So Nehemiah was a man who was, who was given a task, actually asked the Lord for the task, and the Lord granted that task, and that was to go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. They, had been knocking, they, they were knocked down, and their people were vulnerable, and, and really it was a disgrace to God, and, and uh, Nehemiah knew this. Not only was it a disgrace to the people, but it was a disgrace to the God the people served. And so God put it in Nehemiah's heart to go back and build those walls, 
And when we studied through that, we saw there was a lot of opposition to that. There were many threats. Matter of fact, the threats got so bad, remember, he said, okay, what you need to do is you need to work with one hand and have a, a weapon ready in the other hand. Slowed down work, but work continued. But I want to point out what Nehemiah knew to be true. And so notice here what Nehemiah says. This is in Nehemiah 4.20. He says this. And this is when he's really kind of telling everybody, if, if something happens and a battle breaks out, uh, blow the horn and, and we will come. We will come to your rescue and we will fight alongside you. And in verse 20, in the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. And then notice what he says. Our God will fight for us. Nehemiah did not trust his own leadership. He didn't say, I am a great leader and, and I have, look at all that I have accomplished and I have, I have rallied these people together. Instead, he said, the Lord will fight for us. He realized that the Lord was the one that was fighting behind the scenes, working behind the scenes. And, and we as parents, we need to realize that the Lord is working behind the scenes. Matter of fact, after the wall was finished, this is what is recorded for us. This is Nehemiah 6.15 and it says, the wall was finished in 52 days. That's amazing by itself. And the people in the neighboring nations realized that was amazing. And in verse 16, God got the glory. And when all the enemies heard of it, they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. And truly, as we're raising our children, if we're able to turn out children that go off and, and love the Lord. We need to realize that God used us. That really God's the one that gets the credit. Because all we were able to do, me and Brooke, all you're able to do as, as parents is instruct and teach your children. But then they go and they make their own decisions. Either decisions to love the Lord or decisions to love the world. And ultimately, it is up to them to decide. But we are simply to instruct them and realize that ultimately God is the one that is working behind the scenes. And so, as we trust the Lord, we have confidence that He is at work. But we also rest in Him. Let the Lord give you peace. Let the Lord give you peace. And notice what comes up here in verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and you go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Now, remember in this context, there's no Walmart, all right? There, there's no grocery pickup. Uh, there's no McDonald's. They, the, the, the people of this time, they relied on their farms. They were either growing what they ate or they were raising what they ate, such as livestock. And so, they were relying really on the Lord to produce every year. Because as a farmer, as you know, you can till the ground and you can prepare the ground and you can sow the seed. And sometimes they would have bountiful harvests. And they, they had lots and, and they would maybe store some of that up. And then there were some years in which they didn't have a lot. And maybe they were tempted to worry. Maybe they were tempted to complain. And, and maybe in, in some ways we're similar to that. Maybe when things are going well, we're saying, praise the Lord, things are going really well. I'm having a great day. 
then when things are going bad, we begin to worry. We begin to complain. Why me? Why is this happening? And so maybe there's that temptation there. And, and really here, this is, this is really kind of a little bit different than the first one. The first one was this. That, that, that first verse was this. You know what? Some people think that they can do it in their own efforts. And they really need to realize that God is working behind the scenes. That's the idea of building the house. That's the idea of keeping watch. The second verse is actually those who are afraid they're going to fail. And so they're afraid that they're going to invest all of this time and all of this effort, and it's not going to produce what they want. And so they're worried. It keeps them up at night. And as as, uh, Solomon says here, you know, we need to rest in the Lord. He is the one that gives us peace. Again, realize that he is the one working behind the scenes. And there will be times where things are, are great and they're plentiful and praise the Lord. There's going to be times in which there are challenges, but we know the Lord is with us and the Lord is there to help us. You know, I was, um, my, my, uh, my girls, my wife and my girls went up to uh, Wolf Mountain over the weekend and they did the uh, mother-daughter uh, thing. And uh, it had a lot of fun. And one of the things that they were really looking forward to as I talked to them on, on Friday night was uh, going, uh, riding horses and doing the trail ride uh, with the horses. And uh, I, I heard about that Friday night, and, and I didn't hear anything else until they got home uh, last night. And then they shared with me their trail riding experiences. You know, whenever you ride a horse, there has to be amount, an amount of trust. And so, uh, believe it or not, my, my wife rode a horse, and Madison, my oldest, and Olivia, and all the way down to Aubrey, my little second grader, got on top of this huge horse and rode it down the trail. And she was, she was telling me, she was like, Oh, Dad, it was so scary. There was like a cliff. I'm sure there wasn't a cliff, but there was like a cliff on this side. And then there was like the, um, the not river, stream. <laughs> Brooks shaking her head, yes, river. <laughs> a stream on the right. And um, if you've gone up to family camp, you know what we're talking about because we've hiked right by there before. And here my little second grader is navigating a horse. And they were given instructions, all right, so kick the horse to make him go forward, pull this way and he'll go left, pull this way and he'll go right, pull back and he'll, he'll stop, pull back more and he'll go backwards. And here my, li- my little tiny second grader is controlling this, this big horse. There has to be an amount of trust when that happens. There must be an amount of trust in the camp. There must be a, an amount of trust in the staff. There must be an amount of trust in the horse. But ultimately, there must be an amount of trust in the Lord. Because whether you're a second grader and you've never rode a horse before, or whether you're a seasoned rider, we all know that people can get hurt on horses. It doesn't matter the experience you have. And so truly, it must be trusting the Lord. 
And so as we think about these two ideas, one, that, that first idea is I can do it on my own. And, and, and Solomon says, no, realize that when we do it on our own, we're doing it in vain. We must trust the Lord. And that second idea is, you know what, I'm worried. What, what if I make a mistake? What if I fail? What if my kids don't turn out the way they're supposed to? And he says, don't worry. Trust the Lord. For the Lord is the one who grows on the farm. We till the ground. We plant the seed. But he is the one who raises up the food. And so trust the Lord. And so if I can't um, say that enough, this very first part is, is so important to parenting, to mothers, whether you have kids at home, whether you have kids who are grown up and out of the home, whether you have the opportunity to um, help raise your grandchildren, we must realize just as a pastor has to rely on the Lord as he leads a church, so must parents rely on the Lord as they lead families. And so trust, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. That, the second idea here, and, and really this is verse, the, the rest of the verses, the idea is be thankful for God's blessings. Be thankful for God's blessings. When my girls and, and wife were up at Wolf Mountain, um, it was nice for like, I don't know, maybe a couple hours because I like to have uh, peace and quiet every now and then. And, and there was like, living on this side of the property, it's, there's, it's, it's quiet over there. And when you don't have any girls running around and you don't have a wife uh, working hard, it's, there's just this, a, an idea of silence in the home. Like there could be things happening in the back bedroom I could have a mouse in the back bedroom. I probably would have heard that when they were gone. It was just so quiet. And it was nice for a little while. But then it kind of got a little eerie or a little lonely because I'm so used to having them around. I'm so used to hearing them. And so, of course, when they got home last night, there was lots of hugs, and, and I was happy that they were home. I was, I was excited to hear their stories. And truly, families are a blessing Truly children are a blessing. And I know there's times in our life where maybe there's, there's struggles within families. Now maybe it's a child who's just really strong-willed. They, they want to do their own thing. And, and for, for parents, that can be very difficult. But still remember that they are a blessing. And so here in, in verse 3, and, and so family, family is a blessing from the Lord. In verse 3 it says this, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. And, and that idea of inher inheritance is the idea of an inheritance. It's something that is gifted. Matter of fact, some translations, instead of using heritage, they actually use a gift from the Lord. And so a gift from the Lord should be a prized possession. And so mothers, fathers, we have a special time, especially when our kids are at home. We, just a, a special time. That time will, will come and go and, and they will be out of the home and one day they will meet their spouse and maybe they'll have a family of their own. And the times when they're at home are, are special and precious times. Because it's times really to train 
and to educate and to implant wisdom in, our, in the lives of our children. And so truly, if we believe that they are a gift from the Lord, there are certain things that we should do as parents, all right? We should pray for our kids, whether they're still in the home or whether they're all grown up and have families of their own. Why? Because just as we need God's help and His guidance and His wisdom, so does our kids. We need to promote a relationship with the Lord. We should encourage our kids to follow the Lord, to have a relationship with the Lord. Of course, that starts with salvation and then a growing relationship with the Lord. And, and so, parents, we should pray for our kids. We should promote a relationship with the Lord, and, and we should partner with our spouses. All right, understand that we're not on our own. We're in this together. So sometimes, uh, if you're a single parent, you are, on your on, uh, you are on your own, and therefore God is at your side, and really God is at all of our sides as, as parents. And I understand that sometimes when, when there's a Christian that is married to a spouse that's not a Christian, this makes it even more of a struggle. And that's one of the reasons why in God's will is for a uh, a, a Christian to marry a Christian so that that unsaved person doesn't pull that Christian away from the Lord, but so that those two can also grow and raise their children for the Lord. And so we need to partner with our spouses. And if you have a Christian spouse, if you have a spouse that loves the Lord, you should see that as a blessing from God. Because really there are some people in your positions, there are some mothers who really have to fight their husband just to get their kids to church. And that's, that's a hard life to live. And so if you have a spouse that's a believer, you should, you should take that as God's blessing. Family is a blessing from God. And also, as we think about our kids, we, we pray for them, we promote a relationship with the Lord, we partner with our spouses, and lastly, we should participate in our local church. We should participate in our local church. When I say participate, I don't mean come in, sit down, and then leave after the service. I mean teach our kids to love others and to love the Lord through serving others and serving the Lord. Because we can tell them all day long, love God and love others, but unless they're actually going out and doing that, they won't really know what that means to love God, and to love others. And so I encourage you, participate in the local church. Teach our kids to love God and to love others. What we are doing with God's, uh, what are we doing with the blessings God has given us? What are we doing with the children God has gifted to us? May we be fruitful and, and parenting, may we be faithful in the teaching of our children and the importance of having a relationship uh, with the Lord. And so, first of all, as we think about that idea of blessings, family is a blessing from the Lord. Second of all, as we think about those blessings, may family be a place we can receive help. Notice what um, Solomon says here in verse 4, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. And so this, this gives the, the implication here that, 
that the children are no longer at home. The, the children are, are now older, uh, maybe they're teenagers, uh, maybe uh, they're out of the home, maybe they're starting uh, families of their own, and of course in this context, uh, they wouldn't actually be out of the home, they would just be in the home with their own family. And so in, in, during this time, uh, when, when a young man would get married, he'd actually build onto his, his father's home, and then he would bring his, his wife with him, and they would actually live in a part of their family's home. So a little bit different than, than how we do today, although here in Wilton, sometimes we see uh, families living in, in, on the same piece of property, and that would be similar to the way that it was done um, back during this time. But it says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children of one's youth. So these, these, are, these are grown children now. And so what is Solomon saying? Well, you know, when a, when a warrior goes off to war, he doesn't, he doesn't take one arrow with him. All right? Normally he takes a handful of arrows. And, and when you look at a little bit later on, he says, hey, if, if, you have a, if you have a quiver full of arrows, you are blessed. So it's not just, it's not just one arrow and when, when a warrior goes off to war, normally they'll evaluate the arrows. You want your arrow to shoot straight and true. You don't want to shoot towards, an air, uh, towards a, a target and it veer off to the left or to the right or even worse, towards the ground. And so normally, and, and I've seen this before in, in archery, that uh, people who know what they're doing in archery, they will take those arrows and they will look down the shaft. They will make sure that that arrow is straight and true before they shoot it. Because they know that if it's, not, if it's bowed, if it's not straight and true, it'll turn one way or the other. It won't sell straight. And so here, of course, this is the idea of, of help. It's the idea of, you know what, if, if, your, if your home was attacked, that there would be those people alongside you that would fight with you, that would help you. And of course, we don't have to necessarily worry about that today. This is outside of our time. This is a time in which people would come and, and just attack homes. And, and uh, now we have uh, police officers and, and different things that help keep the peace. But you know, in this time, Solomon says this, like arrows in the hands of warriors are children of one's youth. They're there to help you in the time of need. It's not that we raise children and that we love children so that we can benefit from children. All right, that's not why we raise children. But you know, it is good to teach children to help. It's good to train children to help in the home and to help others. Matter of fact, uh, this is what Paul says. Paul says this in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. This is familiar to us. It says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not on his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Really, as we prepare our children, we teach them how to serve others. There's a lot of selfish kids in this world. And you probably know about some of those families. You know, little Timmy, if little Timmy's not happy, the whole family's not happy. There are some families that allow their kids to rule their home. And, and really, 
kids should be trained and, and, and taught to serve, to serve others, to love others, and to serve in the home, and, and to love their parents, and to honor their parents, not rule the home. And so may families be a place where we can receive help, that our kids can receive our help. But then one day when our kids are grown, that we can also benefit from the training that we have given to them. And so they can be a blessing to us. First of all, God has given them as a blessing, as a gift. And in the future, they can help us. And uh, if, you, if you have some kids who are grown and, and they are helpful to you, you should praise the Lord about that. You should praise the Lord about that. There, there are some, uh, some kids out there that are just too busy to help their parents. And if you have kids that are willing to step up and help you, uh, you should receive that as, as a blessing from the Lord. All right, number C here, this is uh, verse number 5. May families be a place where honesty is found. And, and notice what, again, Solomon says here. It says, blessed is the man who, find, uh, who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. All right, so in the gate was, a, was like a meeting place. It was a place where business was taken care of. And so uh, it could mean like the gate of, of maybe a house and, and that's possible, but more or less this probably means the gate that was outside the city. And this is where uh, business was, was done. This is also, if there was some type of accusation against you, that this is where it would take place. It would take place there at the gate where business was taken care of. And, and this is what Solomon is saying. It's good for you to have children and really to raise those children to be honest and trustworthy individuals so that if you're at the gate and you need support, your children will back you up. And they will be trusted by others. And so this is the idea of, of uh, verse 5 here. Blesses the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. It is to raise our children to be honest, trustful people. And really as Christians, we should be honest and trustworthy. And our kids should be able to trust us as parents. Not that we're going to be perfect, okay? I'm not perfect, and I know you're not perfect. But you know, there's a certain amount of honesty where we can go back to our kids and say, hey, no, Timmy, I messed up. You know, I reacted in this way, and I messed up. I mean, I remember my parents uh, messing up, and, and I know me as a parent messes up. So, so kids know we mess up. But you know what? It means a little bit more when we go back to them and say, hey, you know what? I messed up. Will you, will you forgive me? And hopefully that will go both ways where our kids feel like they can trust us and come back to us and say, hey, mom and dad, I messed up. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And really there should be an amount of honesty both between us and our kids and our grown-up kids and a love that goes both ways, where whether our kids are at home, whether our kids are outside of the home and they have families of their own, but they feel like, you know what, I can always go back to mom and dad and I can ask them if I need help. If I need advice, I know I can trust my mom and dad. And we should be individuals who our kids can 
And really, that is the godly approach. Here, Paul, once again, he says this, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self, all right? So, that's the old man, that's the old self. The, the lie comes from the flesh. Notice the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And, and so, as Christians, if, we, if we're going to ask the question, how have we been designed for His glory? One of the ways that we have been designed for His glory is to be honest, trustworthy people. And you know how I know that to be true? Because if we are being good representatives, good ambassadors of the Lord, the Lord is trustworthy and true. And so, if we're going to be imitators of our Heavenly Father, we too must be honest. We also must be trustworthy. And so, I, let me encourage you as, as, as we think about our, our children at home, be honest with them. As we think about our children outside the uh, home, be honest with them and help them to realize that they can always come and talk to you, that there's an amount of trust that is there. Maybe today, as, as, as you think, and even as I look around, I, I see some of your families, and I, I know that you still have kids in the home, and, and probably for many of us, uh, we have uh, kids outside the home, or, or maybe even grandchildren now. Maybe God's blessed you not only with a quiver full of kids, but now a quiver full of grandchildren as well, which is even, even more uh, like for my grandparents. They have many, many grandchildren so what about us? Well, first of all, maybe you, as a warrior, you strung that arrow and you let it fly. You let go of your children. You launch them into the world. And maybe as you've seen your children mature, maybe you've seen them fly straight and true. And they're headed towards the place that you launched them at. We say, praise the Lord. Because really, again, God gets the glory. Just as Nehemiah, even after he built the wall, he didn't say, wow, I am such a great leader. Instead, everyone knew this must have been from the Lord. And so if your child is selling straight and true, we stop and we say, thank you, Lord. But maybe you're here today and, and maybe... You did teach your, your children, and maybe you looked down the shaft of that arrow, and everything looked to be good, and you pulled back on that string, and you let go into the world, but now you're seeing it kind of take a detour. It's maybe getting off course. Maybe it's not headed in the direction that you thought it would be headed to. And this, again, goes back to verse 1 and verse 2. We must trust the Lord. Again, that picture in verse 2 is a picture of a farmer. A farmer can till the ground, they can prepare, and they can sow. But really, it's up to God to give the increase. And so we need to realize that the Lord is not finished with our kids yet. And the Lord is working in our grandchildren's hearts right now. And so whether your kids are, are edit, headed in the right direction or whether they've veered off course, we need to realize that ultimately God is working behind the scenes. 
May we never stop interceding for our children. Our children need God, whether they are flying straight and true to where we aimed them, or whether they veered off course, our children need the Lord. And so never stop asking for God's grace in their life, that those children may fly straight and true in the way that we have sent them off into the world. And again, we're going to go all the way back to verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Some families, they do all they can to create an, an atmosphere where, where their child is going to be fruitful for the Lord. And, and, and then on, on that second part, they do all they can to protect their children from those things that maybe would affect them in a negative way. You know, parents, what we really need to do is we need to be preparing them for when they leave our home. Because the safety of our home will not be there forever. Instead, one day they will make their own choices. And so we don't prepare them to live within a bubble. We prepare them to live in the jungle. Matter of fact, a youth pastor once said, probably uh, the greatest problem that we have in Christian families today is that parents raise their children as if their children will live in a zoo. That they won't have any predators, that they will be fed every day, that they will be bathed every day. And, and that's oftentimes that the way that Christian parents raise children as if they're going to live in a zoo the rest of their life. But really the way that we ought to raise our children is one day they're going to live in the wild. They're going to live in the jungle. They're going to need to learn how to fend for themselves. How to t dig out food out of God's word for themselves. How to serve others and how to serve the Lord. And so truly as parents, we trust the Lord. We aim them in the right direction and then we give those things to the Lord we must depend on Him and His blessings. And truly, children are a blessing. Whether we go through good times, whether we go through trials, I hope on the other side we see God as, or our families as blessings from the Lord. Let's go ahead and stop and pray. Lord, we do thank You for the mothers. Thank You for all that they do, all that they have instilled in the hearts of their children the love and the care and the patience they have shown to boys like me growing up, girls within the home, times in which we were lovable and, and cute and, and times in which we were rebellious and stubborn. Thank you, Lord, that we're not on our own. That parenting is not left to us. We are not the one that builds the house if we are trying to build the house on our own, we labor in vain. If we are trying to protect our children on our own, we are laboring in vain. Truly, Lord, you are the one that will protect our children. Truly, you are the one that are, is working in our children's hearts. 
Lord, help us to take those times in which we have right now with young children in the home. Help us to take those times to educate and train and to impart wisdom to them. Not wisdom from the world, but godly wisdom to help them not only within the home, but one day when they're outside of the home having their own families. Help us to impart that wisdom. Lord, we also think about maybe some of our grown children. Lord, we thank you for those children that have flown straight and are headed towards, towards good, good things. Maybe they're serving the Lord. Maybe they're part faithful to church and serving in church. Thank you, Lord, for those children. But maybe also, Lord, maybe we're thinking about some of our grown children that they're not where we'd like to see them. Maybe they've, they've, they've veered off the direction a little bit. Lord, we know you are a sovereign God and you are a good God and that you love our children even more than we could love them. So we pray that you would meet their needs. And also, Lord, help us to meet their needs. Help us to help them. But ultimately, Lord, we know that all of this is dependent on you. So help us not to worry, but help us to trust, realizing that you are still working in the lives of our children and our grandchildren. May your will be done. May your will be accomplished. Lord, thank you that we can trust you. You are a good and faithful you are a trustworthy God, a righteous God who does all things right. And Lord, may we, mon- um, um, may we show those types of things in our lives. I know we won't be perfect, but help us to at least have that goal to mentor our children to love you and to respect you and to love others and to serve others. Lord, may they not simply be a help within the home, but if we ever need to call them as parents, that they would be a help to us in our older age. Thank you for the children that we have. Thank you for the blessings that you've given to us. Thank you that you're at our side. In Jesus' name, amen.